0: good afternoon zoe de grand maison welcome on vh berries
1: thank you so much thanks for having me
0: i am extremely grateful because your craft is a mosaic of mastery resulting to an overall symmetry between triumph and treasures. How are you doing today?
1: Oh my goodness, I'm good, I'm good. How are you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I am doing very well because by doing all of those discoveries, I found that we can only understand all of those things through the lens of weather, a kaleidoscope, or maybe just by having a conversation with Nora and Eric around a cauliflower soup
1: <laughs> <laughs> No wait I'm tra- Oh my goodness you're talking about Oregon Trail I was like Nora and Eric I know those names <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny Wow wow you've done your research <laughs>
0: I would love Zoé de Grand Maison to talk about this very recent project called Organ Trail. Can you tell us a little bit more about it?
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, So, Organ Trail is a movie that takes place in the late 1800s in Montana in the dead of winter. Um... And it's the story of a girl named Abby um, whose family is attacked by um, some bandits, and she is kidnapped after that. Um, and it's basically her, her story of escape and survival and um, resulting friendships uh, that come to her from unexpected places. Um yeah, and ultimately just a story of, yeah, as I said, strength and survival. Um, I was very fortunate to get to play Abby. That was really, really fun. Uh, but we were shooting in Montana in the winter, which is as cold as it sounds, we were in a valley, um, surrounded by mountains. So we were pretty high up and uh yeah, it got it got pretty chilly out there. Luckily our Wardrobe department did a really great job of making sure that we were as warm as we could be, but still, it was a—it uh, was one of the most intense shooting experiences I've ever had. Um, but yeah, it was really cool and I made some great friends and had a wonderful time.
0: If I understood correctly, Zoé de Grand Maison making sure to be as warm as possible in this Montana environment and in this feature film and in your overall work, I found that you are always delivering intense performances that could be marked A, A plus, exactly like the two initials of your character, Abigail, wow. Archer. <laughs> <think> you,
1: yes, <laughs> wow, you're so creative. Um, that's very kind of you, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, Yeah, Yeah, I feel like I always end up playing very intense and slightly unsettling characters. I don't know why. (laughs) Maybe there's something about me that's intense and unsettling, but it's fun, I love it.
0: You are Zoé de Grand Maison, really enjoying playing those uh, characters and to come back to uh, this very specific feature film, how would you describe this particular process of creating in your mind um, the background and the personal history of AB?
1: Um, I did a lot of research actually to play to play abby i i have taken a lot of classes acting classes that are based in um the adler method um which is essentially all about uh really uh thorough world building for your character so um applying that was really cool i found a bunch of books Uh, i happened to get covid on her first week of shooting and i was so sick but um I was able to do extra research that I didn't think I'd get a chance to do because once I got to Montana, I found some vintage books in Montana about like, uh, there was one that was about Montana ranch women. And it was interviews with these women that lived on ranches in Montana um, a tiny bit after the movie takes place, but only by a couple decades. And so it was cool to just uh, read about women who lived where this movie takes place and what that life was like and what it was like to be exposed to the elements and, um, what surviving the winters, especially in Montana was like. So that was really handy. Um, I watched some films. I mean, the internet's such a great resource. We're so lucky to have it because it makes doing research, um, so much easier and we have access to so much information at all times. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think... I can't, I'm looking at my books behind me. I can't remember what the other book I read was called. The The Montana Ranch Woman one was, I think it was called Nothing to Tell. It's just a bunch of interviews with, uh, with these women, um, over the course of, of many decades, but it was super informative. And then there was another book that I read. And of course I can't remember what it was called, but it, uh, just talked about <laughs> that, this specific era, um, when people were traveling on the Oregon trail in the late 1800s, um, and yeah, uh, it was really helpful, and then when it comes to more personal aspects of a character, things that are a lot more universal, I think, in terms of just, like, being a human being, um, that stuff's kind of easier to delve into, just figuring out your family dynamics and, um, kind of creating, a Character backstory based off of using you know the information that you're given in the script and then filling in the blanks in ways that uh, make sense to you. Um, And I I I wrote like so many pages in my journal as Abby, um, and that really helped me kind of figure out who she is. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, Zoé de Grand Maison, and part of your researches also included that very particular uh, year and context in history of the United States of America because this feature film is taking place six years after that 1864 Chateau Lafitte was carefully bottled or, on the same year, the Metropolitan Museum of Art was established. I am talking about the year 1870.
1: I didn't know that about the Met. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. Wow. Really, the, Met, the Met's that old. That's yes. wild. I mean, it makes sense. Wow, that's so. I I didn't. uh, I didn't focus my research on uh, New York so much. I was very much like, you know, Montana. But uh, that's so cool. I had no idea it was that old. Huh? (laughs) And then, sorry, not to neglect. uh, There was a a wine that you were saying. Is that? Did I get that right?
0: Absolutely, Zoé de Grand Maison. I refer to one particular scene in which one of the character is drinking a Chateau Lafitte wine because oh my gosh. this feature film has a sort of invisible bird and that bird is coming to a shoulder with that Cabernet Sauvignon.
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know you know this movie references. better than I do. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. And now I, I feel like I, I, I haven't seen the movie in many months now, so I feel like I need to rewatch it and look out for those details. <laughs> it's so funny. Hmm.
0: There is obviously the first scene in which you appear, and there are those six letters and one punctuation mark that are forming what you are first delivering to the screen. Can I go?
1: yes yes i remember that i remember that scene that was one of the first scenes that we shot (laughs) yeah
0: could you tell us a little bit more about this particular opening
1: about oh my gosh um yeah sorry i was i was was confused there for a sec um yeah the so I'm try- I'm trying to remember. I yeah, we were outside. We were outside. Yeah. Um. I my character's brother Tobias and my dad, um, are about to leave to try to hunt, um, to feed our family. And, um, part of uh, Abby's story and who she is is that she she feels so capable and she wants to do the things that her brother and her father are doing, but, um, she's never really permitted to do that. She's always kind of told, uh, where her place is as a woman, especially in this time. Um, and that's a great source of frustration for her. And it's really cool that later on in the movie, you get to see her kind of challenge that and prove what she truly is capable of. Um, but yeah, she says, uh, can I go when her brother and, father about to go hunting and uh, is essentially told no, stay here with your mother and um, I think we we end up like making bread by the fire, if I remember correctly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, Zoé de Grand Maison. This scene is related to fire because you are asked to take some snow to boil it into water so that uh, your family can drink. And Abigail Archer has a very specific connection to nature and especially animals, which leads me to believe that we could call her the pensive pioneer because Mm -hmm. Abby is constantly tuning into the frequency of whisper of the wind that carry a deer picking out of the grassy field.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's, she is very in tune with, uh, with nature and with animals. And that was honestly, for me, uh, the just felt very natural because I like to think of myself as, uh, being very in tune with with Mother Earth, I I love animals so much. Um, I devote a lot of my time to taking care of animals. Uh, I spent I've spent a lot of time like volunteering at a rescue farm and um, visiting sanctuaries all over the world. Uh, I really I feel calm in the presence of animals. I think that they're just so amazing and often misunderstood. Um, the same with nature. So yeah, that I feel like that wasn't something that aspect of Abby wasn't something that I had to consciously put a lot of effort into because it just feels like it's so um, innate. It's such a, such a part of who I am already. So that was a pretty easy thing, but it's really cool that you, you um, picked up on that and that you noticed that.
0: <laughs> In definitive, the presence of animals around you is very calming. And I mentioned that deer that we are uh, seeing right after your uh, first words, but there is also some horses. Mm-hmm. How did you um, go through this process acting alongside those creatures?
1: Oh, it was the best. Um, I actually grew up going to a horseback riding camp in the summer. <laughs> I went for about 10 years. Yeah, and um, it was Western riding. It wasn't English, but uh, I loved it. It was my favorite place in the world, and I still find myself dreaming about it to this day. And, um, yeah, it, it it holds a very special place in my heart. But that is where I learned to horseback ride, and then became I came to set. Um, and nobody tells you that movie horses are – the most well-behaved horses you've ever encountered. So riding for this movie was actually way easier than the riding I did when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old um, because the horses at <laughs> camp were a little bit more stubborn. They definitely knew that um, they, they could, you know, overpower the children that were riding them and would uh, try to eat all the grass that they could, and it was a lot more challenging. But these horses... Um, Uh, they're, they're owned by, uh, the, the Schultz family in Montana who do a lot of films and they're just wonderful people. Um, and they just have the most beautiful, calm horses that, uh, are super chill. So I feel like even for people who have never ridden before, they would have a wonderful time riding these horses. And that was honestly my favorite part of the day was riding horses. Uh, I was lucky that there was one, one day, where we had our base camp, where our trailers were, and we were filming a, about like a twenty-minute drive away, uh, in in the same valley. And at the end of the day, they had to bring the horses back to base camp too. And I asked if I could ride them, or ride one of them back. And um, the wranglers were so kind and and said yes. So I rode back with them, and that was one of the most magical experiences <laughs> of my life. It was the sun was setting. We saw. There were elk everywhere around us. It was just so beautiful, uh, surrounded by so much nature. And these horses were amazing. They're very good scene partners. Very good scene partners. (laughs) Very professional. Yeah.
0: (laughs) As a matter of fact, Zoé de Grand Maison, all of those horses may have thousands of movies in their credits (laughs) without nobody knowing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're professionals. They've, they've been around the block anytime. I think anytime, honestly, you see, uh, something shot in Montana or for the most part, something shot in Montana with horses, uh, chances are it's going to be these same horses. Maybe not always. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know that they've worked a lot and that, uh, yeah, they're, they're professionals, they're used to it. You could tell, they knew exactly, they knew how to hit their marks, they knew, like, <laughs> it was amazing, it was amazing. They are better at acting than I am, truly. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> Moreover, Zoé de Grand Maison, this movie also combines two genres, both Western and Horror. Can you tell us a little bit more about this very interesting Combination.
1: Yeah, um, it is interesting. It's it's funny because those are um, probably the two genres of film that I was least familiar with going into this, and I definitely, yeah, yeah, I had to familiarize myself a little bit. Um, Because I'm such a scaredy cat when it comes to horror movies. (laughs) Um, I like a thriller. I like something that makes you think and makes you try to, like, get into somebody else's head and try to figure out where the plot is going. But with horror, like, when it's, uh, we get jump scares and blood and stuff, I'm not so good at that. But this movie is relatively tame. It's not, um, it's not full of gore or anything, uh, um... Yeah, and then I, I don't know. I think the Western and the horror came together pretty in a pretty cool way. Uh, the Western was like – what made it a Western was truly like just the setting, right? Like in the, the time and the place, right? Obviously, you're in Montana in the 1800s. Like people are going to be riding horses. You're going to encounter some cowboys. And uh, so that just kind of felt like – the uh, I don't know. It just kind of made sense for it to be a western, and then the plot kind of made it a little bit more horror, horror horror-y. But yeah, it was a it was a cool combination, and I really enjoyed working on it. Horses and fake blood—what's not to love?
0: Horses and fake blood—what's not to love? (laughs) Zoé de Grand Maison, (laughs) and there are also some very obvious signs of that horror part. Especially at first sight, reading the title right. Oregon Trail, because it is also a direct reference to the historical Oregon Trail.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You. Uh, you definitely. I. I've, from. From what I remember. Again, I haven't watched the movie in a few months, so please forgive me. But from what I remember, right off the bat, with the. With the. <laughs> the title of the film splashing on screen. You kind of get a sense of what the tone's going to be. Um, and yeah, it's a little little play on words.
0: <laughs> Additionally, Zoé de Grand Maison. There is also one symbol alongside organ trail, which is the rope, because, if I understood correctly, this is the object that both saved you when you're encountering Eric, but also who betrayed you to the eyes of Cassidy. It is a double sword.
1: Yeah, I you notice you you notice so many more um, nuanced details than I ever did. That's so funny. Oh my goodness, I feel like uh, yeah, I, I I need to do more homework. I need to I need to go back and and kind of take a magnifying glass and search for these things. Yeah, that's really interesting. But you're right. Yeah, the the rope does play a a pretty significant role, good and bad.
0: Good and bad, and in definitive, Zoé de Grand Maison. I assume that it is now time for Tobias, Celeste, Abraham, Cassidy, to meet the powerful brother power. The... Uh,
1: the brother power? Like the, the, the bandits? (laughs)
0: <laughs> the broader power is one of the character of a short film called The Good Word which is a comedy. Oh my goodness. That you recently <laughs> did.
1: Yeah, I I honestly yeah, I, my friend uh my friend Connie who um <laughs> worked on uh on Orphan Black when I was on that show. Um wrote a short film and and asked me if i would be in it so yeah it's called the good word i haven't even seen it yet um so gosh i don't remember any details from that i mean i remember what it was like uh being on set it was great but wow (laughs) sorry i didn't follow that segue you've you've done too much research
0: Absolutely. Uh, Zoë de Grand Maison, you were playing in that comedy is a good word. Uh, that character uh, named Sister Kront Wright. And she's um, wearing a dark zipped sweater over a light colored shirt alongside that powerful brother power.
1: Yes, yes, Now, now I remember, yes. <laughs> I really want to watch it, actually. Sorry, I just haven't had a chance to see the film yet. My uh, It just screened, but I wasn't in Toronto. Um, anyway, I'll email Connie and ask her for a link or something. Thank you for reminding
0: me of that. <laughs> Absolutely, Zoé de Grand Maison. And I would also love to discuss about your personal passion for writing because I feel that you're feeling more drawn to that discipline than ever before and can you tell us a little bit more about this new step towards uh taking that pen and creating narratives
1: yeah i mean i've always uh i nothing i'm nothing i'm working on is uh really official so far but i've i've just been extra drawn to writing lately i've i've journaled for many many years um i've got a a stack of journals from the time i was a teenager and um so i've really always enjoyed uh putting pen to paper and and getting my thoughts out it's just a really great way of processing my emotions or what i'm going through um, so yeah, it's always been a really important practice to me, but it's always been very personal. And I think when when COVID first started, uh, I was very, very fortunate that um, I lived with five of my friends, well, one of whom is my partner, but five of us just uh, rented a house together uh, so we could kind of quarantine together, but we all got along super well. But in that time, I just – because we were all trapped in this house, I started – uh, writing um, on my laptop, I got about like fifty five, sixty pages into writing a book, and I don't think I'm ever gonna finish it. But it just felt like a really cool gateway, uh, if you will. It it really helped me kind of learn about myself that I I, I enjoy writing. I enjoy fictionalizing my own life. Um, <laughs> everything I write is heavily inspired by my own life, but, uh, yeah, I find it to be super therapeutic and it's a really cool personal practice and it's cool that you can kind of do it wherever you are. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really like it and I, I don't want to jinx it, but I, 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 I wrote a a pilot for what I hope to what i hope would become might become a mini series one day i don't know um but yeah it's a it's an hour-long pilot uh and i was i'm pretty proud of it it definitely needs to be edited and editing is writing is really fun editing to me is a nightmare Um, it's so difficult to kill your darlings as they say and to um keep like an objective perspective when you're just reading and rereading and rereading and rereading your work. It, It starts to sound like gibberish and to kind of all meld together in weird ways. And it's hard to remove yourself and to, to read it as though you're reading it with fresh eyes. So that part's been a little bit challenging and I've, I have been procrastinating with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't have any, you know, any leads in terms of where it might lead, but uh yeah, it's something that's been very near and dear to me and that feels right, and it's definitely something I want to explore more. Um, yeah. Rating's cool. Highly recommend everybody do it. You don't have to show anybody either. You know, it can just be something private, at least until you're you know, you you become more and more comfortable. Uh, and you find your voice, and, and maybe one day you realize, like, hey, I, I want to share my work because this is cool. I don't know if any of that made any sense. <laughs> but yeah.
0: It is making a lot of sense, Zoe okay, de good. Grand Maison, because it feels right to you, this action of writing. And if I understood correctly, you are also putting. Some lyrics on the paper which means that you're soon uh, going to take that guitar out of the wall
1: oh the, the i have a i you can't really see it right now. I do have a guitar hanging <laughs> on the wall i don't were you referring to, did you see my actual guitar or was that more like metaphorical
0: <laughs> I was actually referring to that specific okay. guitar.
1: So that guitar's actually really sick. It needs to go to the guitar doctor, but I have <laughs> uh, my, my partner and I live together, and uh, together we probably have like one, two, three, four, five, like six guitars. So I've got options I'm surrounded by instruments. my um Alex, my partner is uh, is a really, really talented musician, and uh, he helps me write songs sometimes, and we have a good time. We've yeah. Um, he's very encouraging he's very talented he's got great advice to give so yeah i like I like to write songs again I, I you know I don't like love my voice and I don't feel like I'm the most gifted musician but it is really fun again it's uh it's cool to just you know when you're feeling something intensely or when you're just like feeling like you know you know those days where you wake up and you just feel insanely inspired and you're like i need to get this out of me i don't know how a song is a really great way to channel that you know it ends up being between like anywhere from like two to six minutes uh, but uh yeah it's just this this short and sweet creation that that can express how you feel and uh also is fun to listen to and you can add layers to it and yeah I I love songwriting I'm again I I don't know that I consider myself a musician per se at this point but uh it's yeah it's really really fun Um, my journals are full of songs (laughs) that I've written so I don't know maybe one day I'll I'll pursue it more seriously but again I just think it's so important to express yourself creatively at least it is for me um I go I, I lose my mind if I don't express myself uh, in any creative way. And I have a lot of avenues through which I like to do that. But uh, yeah, it's something that's very important to me.
0: It is something that is very important to you, Zoé de Grand Maison. And I feel that it also creates a little break outside of any reality, and especially few miles away from engineering.
1: <laughs> yes, um yeah, uh, engineering <laughs> I uh, when I was in high school, <laughs> oh my god I, I was like sort of acting in high school a little bit, but it was more it, it felt more like an extracurricular thing and at the time you know, I, I happened to be pretty good at at science um, and math and uh, figured okay, well I should ap- I should apply this, I guess um and In grade 12, when everybody was applying to university, I applied to a bunch of different science programs, but at U of T in Toronto, University of Toronto, I applied to chemical engineering and got in and uh, was going to go, and then I happened to audition for Orphan Black the summer before university would have started, and I got a part, um, a recurring role, which was such a that was such a cool day. I was I started in the second season of the show, and I'd watched season one and was such a huge fan of the show. So I remember being insanely excited, and I ended up deferring uh, university for a year so I could focus on filming. Um, because one thing I hear about engineering is that it's very time consuming. You I, you can't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to take uh, several days off to film and to and. and and to still stay on top of my schoolwork. So I deferred and then found out I was going to be on another season of War from Black. So I deferred again. And and, and by the time I would have started, I guess the third time around, <laughs> I just realized like, no, um, I'm definitely not meant to be a scientist. I think science is amazing. It's really cool. I love learning about it, but um, it, it's, yeah, it's not something that I, I want to devote my life to. Um, I just realized that I loved acting and um, that i'm I'm a creative person, and I need to that's what I need to be channeling my energy into so I'm so grateful to that job on Orphan Black for so many reasons. Yeah, that was a very, very special time in my life. but the biggest the biggest thing that I'm grateful for is that it it helped it gave me a true glimpse at who I am and and what I want out of life um at a time that I really needed it is a very pivotal. A pivotal thing that happened to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I am looking forward to see those pivotal and additional pieces to your Mosaic of Mastery. <laughs> thank you very much, Zoé de Grand Maison.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Mosaic of Mastery, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I want to start referring to my own work that way, but I feel like um, it won't sound as cool as when you say it, but that's very sweet. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, you know, who knows? Uh, who knows where where life's gonna lead? But I look forward to, yeah, to as as you said, the the pivotal moments that keep presenting themselves, and to the creative avenues I keep
0: uh, I keep exploring, and um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs>